Welcome to the Ascend Podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Chris Hopper. And I'm Dan Harrison. Each week we delve deep with some of the brightest and most forward thinking, out of the box minds in health, consciousness, mindset and spirituality. This show inspires our listeners to improve their body and mind and our intention is to fuse and unlock the conscious warrior and shift the balance in the current paradigm. Hey, what is up everyone? In this episode of the Send Podcast, we have an absolute cracking conversation with John Levy to explore the conversation of adventure and why we explore. John is a behavioural scientist studying the influence in adventure. There was an amazing quote by Alain de Boutin in the book The Art of Travel, and he said the pleasure we derive from journeys is perhaps dependent more on the mindset with which we travel than on the destination we travel to. Such a brilliant quote, and I've always been fascinated by the concept of what the art of travel can bring to the human mind. And why is it throughout all of human history, great travellers, philosophers and thinkers, in the past found it so hard to travel, yet they still obtained a drive and found an importance to do so? It seems to be that the great adventurers were actually more conscious and understood the uniqueness of this world more compared to the people who were not travelling at that time in history. And the ones who were, who were travelling had a different perspective about life on the planet. But it seems to me, now on the planet, everyone already has this knowledge of vastness of the planet, because it's so accessible to just view on the internet and witness things and perspectives on a screen. In the stage we are now in the human experience, where we can actually view the planet from space and realise that we are actually a part of something even larger. And it's interesting to think about what will be the next level of that and the effect it will have on the science of the mind. And how will people's consciousness, thinking and perception shift when we do start travelling further into the universe? What will the connection between the science and the mind look like when we start travelling over planets in the solar system, when technology advances? It's so interesting because in the process leading up a new adventure, we dream about who we will become when we visualise the experience. We dream about the beach, the culture, the experience itself. We dream about who we will become in that moment. And it's really about hacking our reality. The journey is really a desire to find in yourself rather than find a new place. It's such a powerful thing and it's really hard to think to hack. And I really think that is why in this time we are actually trying so hard to increase our technological know-how so we can actually find a way to travel other planets, a way to discover and find new planets and a way to find new planets and universes within ourselves. And it's certainly a conversation needed to have why do we seek travel and adventure marina benjamin has the best line what the space age was seeking all along was not so much an expansion of the physical space but an expansion of the mind and that is so true because when we dream of space we dream of what we will become ourselves and when we are dreaming of adventure it seems to be that daily routines familiarity traditional mode of thought cultural operating systems we actually realise that they blind us from the present moment. And we actually seek that being here now moment. We seek the moment of letting go and finding ourselves. The flow of travel is what we're looking to tap into. And it's all about us guys, we are the travellers. So this episode and every episode from now on is brought to you by you. So you can now go to our Patreon page and choose one of the cool reward tiers and support the podcast. 
And if you don't know what Patreon is, Patreon supports the podcast directly and you can also get to receive some really cool rewards in the process. Currently we have five tiers of rewards set up for you guys. We have reward tiers called Hidden Citizens, Pursuit of Knowledge, Seeker, Awakened Mind, Enlightened Ones and the Paradigm Shift and each tier has lots of different fun rewards. You might get a cool binaural beat, a guided meditation every month or why not be a part of our brand new Ascend Conscious Hub where you get access to other Awakened Minds including me and Chris and guests from the podcast and we, we're also doing live videos, group discussions, bonus content and every Thursday after each episode we'll be having a group discussion about this week's podcast and why not even be a part of something epic the Ascend Community Podcast where you get to come on the podcast and have your say on the podcast and be heard by millions and all this is extremely simple all you need to do is go to the Ascend Podcast website and click on the Patreon page and click the Patreon link Patreon gives you the people the power to come together and decide is this a conscious idea so anyway, without further ado, let's jump in with this conversation. Enjoy. Welcome on to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Yeah, it's so it's so cool. And um, obviously, like I said before, we do ask some like we, do, we are going to be delving into uh, some big questions. But I think it's beautiful because the world of adventure is one of them topics where you can expand your mind and you can actually really like delve into the different angles of, of the conversation so good and um obviously i know where we're going to take this podcast today as well we, we like i said before we really do like going deep and in a way as well sometimes we're like asking questions that nobody else is really asking and sure. and in some cases as well some of the um topics that we do want to touch on as well i know this probably is not like loads of research or loads of answers on some of the topics that mm-hmm. i do want to touch on but i think the beauty is just asking and just asking questions and looking at things in different ways I'm I'm all in. Who knows what we might discover in the process? Yeah, definitely. And I think it's beautiful because when when obviously the topic of adventure, it's it's built in our um, DNA and it's in many of us. And I think it's in a way some of us it's in more than others. And I think, but we I think in a way we all have that like sense of we want to seek some sort of adventure in one way or another. And I think it's the thrill of the unknown and the thrill of something new and the the thrill of seeing like new things and having new experiences. And that's the one of the biggest things about adventure, and I think it's one of the biggest things as well about adventure is becoming a new person. And it's interesting because there's a link how um, adventure is the link between like who we were and who we're destined to become. Mm. Yeah, you know, it's it's one of these interesting things. When I uh, when I started studying the science of adventure, I really wanted to understand uh, what what actually defines an adventure, what makes something adventurous. And I couldn't defi- uh, find an explanation that made any sense. Um, and so I had to invent my own. And I looked at what are the characteristics of an adventure. And I believe that there are three. The first is that it is something that's exciting and remarkable. Right? It's actually worth talking about. So when you're with your mates and you're uh, hanging out and you're sharing stories, the reason that you're sharing those stories is they're remarkable. They're worth remarking about. Mm-hmm. If they're boring or uninteresting, then they weren't worth talking about. And those boring experiences definitely weren't adventurous. Right? The second is that it possesses adversity and or risk. It, it actually uh, gives us a challenge that we have to overcome. We have to grapple with ourselves. Mm-hmm. 
uh, and I believe that it's preferable that it's perceived risk, right? Because the fact is that uh, you could be just as scared uh, giving a speech in front of a few thousand people as you would going toe-to-toe with a bear, but the difference is that you're not in any direct danger. Like, you can make it through just fine. And I'm, as somebody who was once crushed by a bull in Pamplona, well, I am... <laughs> I'm not encouraging most people to go toe-to-toe with large beasts. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and then the third characteristic is it brings about growth. The person you are at the end is different than the person that started. Uh, the true gift of an adventure, in my mind, isn't just the outlandish stories, um, but really that you develop into a expanded human being at the end. That Sure, you'll have great stories, but they'll fade over time. What won't fade, though, is who you've become in the process. Right? You get to be a new person with an expanded capacity. And that, in my mind, is the true gift of adventure. Is It causes us to continuously redefine who we are and what we seek to accomplish. Yeah, definitely. I completely agree. And as well, agreeing when you said like, expanded human being as well. Something that I thought about there because a lot of people actually don't define this as an adventure. But obviously, I know for me and Chris and a lot of the podcast listeners as well who listen to this podcast, they obviously they find a lot of adventure in seeking knowledge about like bigger questions about the life, about life in the universe. And the mm-hmm. more I actually think about my life as well, um, I was actually thinking that adventure could actually be the main origin for like seeking bigger questions. Because ever since I've like in my journey, ever since I've started asking big questions about, like I said before, life in the universe, and I started seeking knowledge like in and out of space, sort of in my own mind. I actually started to create a sense of like adventure in my mind as well, and I still recognize that now. So here's something really interesting. Have you ever heard of, you know, my background is I'm a behavior scientist, yeah, yeah. right? So I, I do research and I, I read a lot of research on human behavior to see how we can apply it and impact people's lives. And what one of the things that I got really curious about is uh, this concept of, awe or wonder and i think that that's what you're pointing to mm-hmm, yeah so the experience of awe is arguably the most desired human emotion if you actually look at the rest of them most of them you can experience on a daily basis like love or appreciation or whatever else you choose right acceptance but awe requires you to have this moment where you reevaluate your position in the universe. You saw the world one way before, and then after, you see it in a completely different way. And as a byproduct, people report feeling more connected, more generous, and it redefines their life. And I think that that's what you're pointing to. I'm not sure I'd call it adventure, uh, an adventure directly but i'd consider it adventurous right like possessing the characteristics mm-hmm. yeah that's absolutely beautiful john because it does um these new awes and wonders that do like a trip something in the brain where it just like opens up this new level of consciousness where it just sees like it sees this new reality something that mm-hmm. might have been completely at a blip before or might have already been there like who knows but it ignites this new like style of behavior in us like Mm-hmm. I feel like, like you said before, we become this expanded human being, and I think that's a really interesting way of putting it. Because when we become more of this expanded human being, that the adventure does begin 
fully right then in that moment when you've just experienced this new awe and wonder? Because it leads you to the uh, next question. I would actually oh, argue something slightly different. That the adventure began beforehand. Mm. That's interesting. Right? Oh, sorry. The, the adventure doesn't... Oh, it's, it's fine. Uh, the adventure doesn't begin when you tackle the mountain. The adventure begins when you decide to go after it. Oh. So now sometimes uh, you weren't expecting to be tackling a mountain. Sometimes all of a sudden something gets thrown in your lap and you have this wondrous experience, granted. But for the most part, when you're in the pursuit of knowledge, then you have begun the adventure, right? Wow. You, are, you are now committing yourself to go through whatever discomfort you need to in order to see what's on the other side. Yeah. And you may or may not like what you see, but it will leave you changed. Yeah, that's beautiful, that's John, because I think, I think you hit the nail on the head but when you pursue knowledge, that does begin this, begin this incredible adventure. It also makes me wonder as well, like when you've actually climbed the mountain, does that lead into a sense of this new adventure? Like when it does open up this new realm in your mind? Could you ask that again? No. I'm sorry. Um, like when we're talking about climbing the, the mountain there, I was just mm -hmm. thinking, imagine when you've climbed the mountain, Mm -hmm. Does that open up the next adventure already playing in your mind? So here's what's interesting. Uh, have you ever heard of Mihai Cheek Sent Mihai? Yeah, yeah. The guy developed this entire concept of uh, flow state, wrote the book Flow. And when you look at peak human performance, which was the focus of flow, what he found was that human beings are most fulfilled or engaged in their activity when they're doing something that's just outside their skill set. When it requires them to focus uh, to achieve that next level and they believe it's achievable, right? It can't be so outlandish like, oh, I want you guys to go run four minute miles. Only, you know, a handful of people in history have done that. What makes you think that like you're in that top point oh 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 one percent of people who are capable? Yeah, yeah. So it's not, that wouldn't be viewed as achievable. And so the moment you've climbed that mountain, then the next thing you have to ask yourself in order to be able to experience this state of um, engagement is what's that next challenge? Now, it could be climbing the mountain faster or bringing people along with you or it could be climbing it in the winter, or it could be climbing a different mountain. But we are happiest, in general, when we are pursuing something just outside of our comfort zone. Yeah, I like that. I do like that, and I think I think as well, some of that, that it ties into that, I thought, in my mind, I think one of the only things to that as well is, is like, in truth, like, the only failure comes to adventure is when you're not going on, when you're not trying to go on one, and I think that's the same thing as well, to try and correlate it to, like, Ask, seeking knowledge and asking bigger questions if you don't like seek you i feel like you do really miss out on something mm -hmm. like something more beautiful anyway and then um, when you were saying before as well about um you were talking about flow states um that's really interesting because we had a uh, stephen cotler on the podcast and we were oh was, yeah 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 it he's was great yeah he is he's great we had a great podcast and we were actually it was very interesting because obviously adventure and flow sort of they sort of like flow together. <laughs> they sort of yes, like they sort of like mixed together. Yeah, the two. And he, we actually proposed the question to him as well. Like, 
could like actually flow states be like the the cause of like us as human beings on this planet asking bigger questions about the universe and it's just very interesting how sort of like flow state and adventure them two worlds like are are entwined together mm-hmm. i think that we're seeing a culmination now where we have a society that has enough of its basic needs covered that you're in a situation where there's this desire to experience more, mm-hmm. right? Like, I'll give you, uh, what, as a society, I feel like we've moved from being done to, like going to a seminar, to wanting to do, like, let's go explore the world, mm-hmm. right? The, and you can see that in the way that social media portrays life, because it's about all the things that people do, not about the things that they want to do, sometimes about things they've learned, but it's not, oh, look at me sitting in a seminar. It's look at me at this party. Mm-hmm. Right? It's about experiencing life. And so there's this desire to experience life. And now because of research, we're reaching this culmination with much like flow that it's par- become part of our, our conversation. That we are looking at how to model our life uh, to really be able to get the most satisfaction, enjoyment, and productivity. So you see women like Ariana Huffington talk about sleep and thrive and all that. And you have uh, Chris who wrote the Productivity Project talking about all the research behind what actually makes us productive. Because now we can actually begin to implement these things that then allow us to expand our thinking, to be more productive, to be highly focused so that we can explore questions that are more meaningful. We have organizations like XPRIZE that are, you know, pursuing uh, the world's grand challenges. Yeah, I like that. I, I completely agree. I think it's, it does seem to be that we're living in a society now, in a world now where we have, like, we are creating more freedom for ourselves to sort of ask them bigger questions as well. And um, But something as well, an interesting um, angle and a question I wanted to raise with you and, like, see what your thoughts were about it. And we actually touched a bit about this in our, one of our last podcasts Um but we're talking about like cultural operating systems. And obviously I know that Terence McKenna, he speaks about cultural operating systems and speaks about how there's like certain things that are constantly playing over in our like our human psyche in sort of things like radio, television, like computer and friends and family, things like that. But um he also was talking about Terence McKenna was talking about how um like travel can actually like open your eyes up to your own like cultural operating system. And I was actually trying to, like, in my own mind, I was trying to think how to make, like, a correlation. And I was wondering what your thoughts were on, like, how sort of, like, adventure could actually, like, affect our cultural operating systems. So that's interesting. Um, I will be honest. I haven't read his book. Mm -hmm. So I'm not in – I feel a little ill-informed in order to make a comment about this. But let's let's ask the question. Adventure as it – forces us to examine cultural operating systems. In order to grow, we have to cross some kind of social, physical, or emotional boundary. A social boundary is one that society deems as important. Now, in many cases, there's no real reason for that. Right? It's an inherited belief that we've passed down from generation to generation within a culture. Just like people walk around walking forward there's no reason that's stopping them from walking backwards through life. I mean, they don't do it, but, and we'd see it as weird, but nothing's actually stopping you, right? Mm-hmm. People don't walk around barefoot in big cities, even during the summer. 
nothing stopping you to do it. Some people do. <laughs> uh, in New York, I've maybe seen it once my entire life. Um, and so I think that by pushing the ba- our boundaries, specifically through past social boundaries, uh, we get to see these values that we may have inherited that aren't real, that there's no actual value behind. I mean, there's values behind many cultural aspects like, you know, covering your mouth when sneezing. It reduces disease transmission. But why do we have salt and pepper on the table? There's no real reason for it. Yeah. Mm. It's an inheritance, from what I understand, of uh, from biblical times. It was a, a, a reproduction of the temple sacrifice ceremony. But it's not really relevant. It's not something that you see outside of Western culture. Well, I think that is an absolute fascinating insight, really, and it does give us like um, a different look and a different understanding on it. And I think when we're actually going on this um, this this adventure, and when we're actually changing our behaviour and changing the understanding of past beliefs from cultural operating systems, and we're introducing this new wisdom and new foundations of which we're going to lay on, but getting onto the idea that after the adventure, like you kind of see beyond like the curtain of like your own society and you see like this new new working and this new beauty and that's and that's something that is really hard to grasp and like how do you like just go back into society after seeing this new wisdom mm-hmm. you feel like you've seen the matrix yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. That's, so uh there's there's this funny quirk of human behavior called the peak end rule and the way it works is like this. Oh, actually, you know what? I'm going to take this a slightly different direction. Have you ever, I, I'm, I'm guessing you probably have at some point, heard of the curse of knowledge? I haven't heard of that of you. Um, no, I don't think I have, actually. You're going to love this. So uh, it's also known as a Columbus's egg problem, and I'll explain both scenarios. Researchers took group uh, groups of people, two at a time, and told one person to think of a song and tap it out on a table, right? Like Mm -hmm. they asked the person what percentage of people will figure out what song is they're tapping out. And they said some high number, something like 50% or something or 70%. I don't remember the exact number. And then they had somebody listen to the tapping They didn't know what song it was, and it was their job to guess. And what percentage of them figured it out? I'm actually thinking it might be a low percentage, to be honest. I'm thinking it might be about um, 20%. Three. Wow. And the reason is that the tapper can't imagine hearing the tapping without the song in their head. Wow. They are cursed by knowledge. And so they can't imagine the world without that knowledge. And so they guess this absurdly high rate, and it's somewhere around 3% that actually figure it out. Now, in light of that, we have to ask ourselves, or we have to consider, 
once you've been through this experience and see the world in a new way, right? You look at the rest of society and you're like, oh my God, I have to tell people the truth. <laughs> but yeah. nobody can understand it, or not nobody, uh, because the person expressing it doesn't know how to communicate the idea because they're stuck knowing it. Yeah, definitely. I like I like that as well. And something that came to my mind there. It's like just just as an example in my mind, I thought this is when you you know when you like when you hear one of your favorite songs, and you you have you try and explain that song to your friend, and you try and get across how much you love that song, and you're like, oh no, it's it's amazing this song, man. You know, like when it gets to this part of the song, it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. But then the person is just like, oh yeah, whatever, whatever. It's sort of like that. You it's hard to ex- like express, and I think that goes for the same when you like sort of seeking knowledge, and and you sort of like have other family members who are like. You're trying to sort of say to them, like, oh, you want to check out this new video on eating healthy. You want to check out this new video about, oh, look at this, we're living in the Matrix. And, like, obviously the family member, obviously they're not on the same sort of a realm of thinking. And I think that as well, that ties into the cultural operating systems because yeah, people are running these, like, cultural operating systems and people's different cultural operating systems all clash. And that's obviously, that's the clashing of, like, trying to, like, describe and trying to get across your message. But they're also trying to, like, tell you their message as well. <laughs> I'm not too sure on on a site. It's a way of thinking, like Dan. But I'm thinking of like on the different way of thinking. I just think um, what that person's experienced is these deeper and more interesting, like more powerful feelings and emotions, and they've got these deep internal like understanding of that, and that's so hard to express through words. Mm-hmm. So I think if they experience the exact same thing, they will get that same like way of thinking, and they'll understand that emotion completely. Just if they experience that exact same thing yeah there are certain things that are fundamentally experiential right i could describe or i i actually i've never been through this but someone can describe what it's like to be a parent and no matter how much description they give you it's never going to be like holding your child for the first time yeah yeah that would be he just couldn't imagine like the whole their their emotions their physicality of just that experience it means so mm-hmm. much more different to each and every one of us. Mm-hmm. And so there's there's just certain things that are fundamentally experiential. And that, you know, I could share with you this discovery or this concept, but the amount of knowledge and experience that it takes to get to that point can't be summed up in a few words. Mm-hmm. It's just always going to fall short. Yeah, that's really interesting. And obviously, just to go back as well a little bit, obviously, the reason why I raised that question for as well, because I'm well, obviously, that was a great uh, conversation there as well. But I think a lot of times when we normally think in terms of like the things that actually affect our human hardware, hardware, sorry, we generally just think in terms of like things like the radio and the television. We don't actually realize how much there's so many, like you said, there's so many different multi facets and there's so many different ways that we can't even explain it with language. But mm-hmm. as well, and how much even like things like, all the different dimensions, even just to adventure and travel and moving about on the planet could also be actually affecting our consciousness, our choices, our decisions, even like our sexual partners as well. But mm-hmm. it seems to be that we, in, a, in some sort of way, we're all running a certain type of cultural operating program. And I was actually thinking adventure may just be another one of them. So, yeah, it's interesting. Adventure may be very different from culture to culture. Have you ever read uh, Natural Born Heroes? Um, I think I've, I've read a little bit of it. 
It was written by the guy who did Born to Run. It's one of my most uh, one of the books I've read recently. One of my favorite. Uh, he looks at the German invasion of Crete, uh, the history of health and wellness and fitness, uh, and the history of um, uh, and his own physic physical development. And one of the things he talks about are how since modern mythology started in Crete, right? All the Greek myths. Uh, the people of Crete see themselves as heroes. And as a byproduct, there's a cultural association to what a hero is. And so their view of how to push their boundaries and when they've succeeded is probably very different than what it is to be from Japan and have a history of samurai and or to be from the U.S. and have a history of the Wild West or revolutionaries, mm. right? So in the U.S., it might be about breaking the rules as like the way to push boundaries. And in another culture, it might be about uh, doing something that's more extreme but full of honor. I, I The truth is I don't know because I'm not ensconced in that many cultures um, to know the intricacies of their cultural value. I know that in the book, The Humor Code, when it examined what Westerners find funny versus uh, what the Japanese find funny at one point in the book, that's not what the entire book's about, mm -hmm. uh, you saw these very clear differences that Westerners have a very specific, uh, sorry, that very specific differences between what they'll find amusing and how they structure their comedy. So I think that there's something to what you're saying there. Yeah, it, it's very interesting there because when you were like raising the, the, the question there of like how cultures see certain things as different to other cultures, I was actually, it sparked in my mind there actually how environments actually affect like different states of consciousness as well because if you take, for example, and you compare like different um, locations around the world, even like obviously you just use the example of cultures as well really, but how like certain like cities can affect like, um, like the design of certain uh, cities as well can actually affect like social interaction lifestyle more than others. Oh my God, yes. Yeah, it's really interesting how like different places around the world, like obviously really ties into adventure as well, how different environments can actually affect like different states of like consciousness in your body as well. So if you look at New York, for example, versus LA, which is a simple comparison, New York, people walk everywhere. There's a bustling social interaction as a byproduct. LA, everybody drives. So it's about location-to-location location interaction. And so it it forces you to design your experience, your interactions, what you take with you, all of it very differently because of the ubiquity of public transportation in New York and how convenient it is and how everybody takes it from billionaires down to uh, working class, right? So it's it's just incredible that the social impact that each of these things have. I've, I'm designing an adventurous cultural experience. I'm probably going to focus more on New York than LA because there's just more opportunities to interact with people. If I'm looking for a physical one in LA, I can go surfing, I can go hiking, I can do all those things and they're minutes apart from each other. Wow, wow. Cool. yeah, that is definitely cool. And it makes me wonder how, it's fascinating to me, John, how many of this is all like influencing us as a person right now. Like everything uh -huh. we've everything we've seen, witnessed, like from our mother raising us to our to like um, for our first time we have sex. Everything is just a new experience that changes us mm -hmm. in each moment. And John, it, it, there was this was something I, I wanted to bring up, and I, 
and I wanted to um, see it on the last couple of podcasts, but I never really, fan- never, never really, sorry, I never really had the opportunity to see it. And I think you were a perfect guest to ask this to. And John, I want you to imagine a child in a white room, and this child is fed three meals a day through a hatch in that door. Right? There's no understanding of anything. The child's never been educated. There's been there's no nature. There's no nurture. There's no stimulation. And that child, like, what behaviours does that child actually have? Like, does it ever question its purpose? Does it have an identity? Like, are these behaviours that we have learned from our surroundings? Like, does that child even have the quest to look beyond the door? So I think the closest thing to this description I can reference is Helen Keller. I don't know if she's discussed culturally uh, where you're from, but, uh, oh no, please. Uh, but you know, the story, she's a blind, deaf, mute, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, at one point somebody began to really educate her and I, I'm not going to get this quote right at all, but it started off by dunking her hand in water and then writing water on her hand, like or in whatever way they wrote it. And then dunking it in water and writing water and dunking it in water and writing water. And Helen then describes that that was the first time she understood that there was something outside of herself. Right. So she's she is that child who is fed through a hatch three times a day with no concept of the outside world because her senses only have she only has really the sense of touch mm-hmm. and taste. And what she said before that was that all that existed was a sense of desire and physicality, right? Like I guess pain and so on. But there was no thought the way that you would describe thought. Mm -hmm. Because for us, thinking requires language. And without language, there's no communication and no understanding of the world. So I would, my inclination to guess, and I am not an expert at this at all, is that if you've never been educated, if you have no command of language and there's no other human being that is a frame of reference, then you simply exist as basic feeling of desires, right? And needs like I need food or I'm cold. I need to be warm, but not, I need to be warm. Like even the word warm, but simply existing as cold. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm oh, sorry. I was just going to say like that, that child would have no understanding of like, is what we would reference warmth as like warmth from like a touch from your mother or just mm-hmm. going out and feeling the sunshine on your face. And it just fascinated me, this whole concept of being like isolated in a, in an environment where not, no stimulation, there's no nature, no nurture. And it just, and I was beyond, by the way, that was an incredible reference, um, Helen Keller, by the way. And I was blown away by this concept and it made me wonder like if we stripped away everything, and all that was left was the mind in this purest form, what would be left? And I think you've answered that brilliantly there, John. I was just going to say Thank as well, you. sorry to jump in there as well, because when, when Chris said there, like, 
what when we strip everything away, like what will be left in the mind. But I actually think in a way sometimes um, adventure can actually like strip your strip away your mind and get you out of your mind. That's what I think because mm. it's actually been the case for me. Um, like over the last um, few years, I've actually realised that um, if say if I'm like constantly working or working on a, on the computer or something like that. Over the last few years, I've actually had to try, try and go out the way and make it a habit to get out of me, sort of my mind, let's say. And then when I'm having like a problem with my mind, say of work or something like that, mm-hmm. I've started making a habit to get away from the laptop and go for like a, go in the float tank or meditate or go hiking in the woods. And it just seems to be that like getting out of your mind sort of thing, like a little bit of like a brain shut down. It allows you like to sort of stop thinking. And I, I think as well, tied in with adventure, when you're in a state of adventure or travel, um, where you're just sort of like being... You're not worrying about anything else, and it seems to be that just that little bit of like, um, like a brain shutdown that happens through that process of adventure. It actually allows your mind to, um, to ponder better and ask questions as well, and ask questions and sort the problems out that come up in your life as well. And I really do think that the the like when you're in that state of pondering and the adventure actually gives you solutions to like to like the problems that have come up in your life. And, it, and actually, in a way, something as well, the, the not like the not thinking effect can actually like sort of like help you, help you like come up with that answer. And that's what I think. I really do think that sometimes, like this, this, the art of adventure can actually do that for your life, because you're just sort of like being, and you're allowing your brain to shut down, and your mind wonders, and you can delve deeper into your own like human psyche through that. So when when you listen to uh, reports from let's say famous mathematicians or um, and they report how they make discoveries. They were often doing like random tasks, like getting on a uh, on a bus or something like that. Like it was, yeah. they were just taking a walk. And in fact, Wiles, who discovered the solution to Fermat's last theorem, spent extensive amount of time pondering a question and then going and taking a walk. And so I think that there's something to getting out of the environment. The other is that um, when you're in a state of, of adventure and you're fully in it, mm-hmm. uh, and this gets discussed in flow state as well, then you lose a sense of self-consciousness. You're fully in the experience and fully engrossed in it so that uh, your self-commentary disappears mm-hmm. and you're one with the activity. So it, it, it gives you the state of full focus and an opportunity to to engross yourself. Yeah, I'll, I'll really do... Oh, sorry, go ahead, sorry. Oh, no, please. Yeah, I was just going to say I, was com- I completely agree with you because it seems to me that when we are in a state of like adventure, a lot of people in a way sometimes through that process can sort of like try and force the adventure. But I think it's more about like letting yourself go and letting yourself like, letting yourself like channel the thing, like the thing through you instead of like, like it coming from you, if you know what I mean. And it seems to be that, like, in a way, sometimes I think about this. It seems to be like we're just like we're just vessels for this. Like, like you said, your subconscious slows down, but it seems to be like we're just um, vessels for this like greater consciousness or greater intelligence, whatever you want to call it. But it seems to be when you're in that state of mind, it sort of just expresses itself through you. Through you. Mm. So, I, I think that what's interesting is if you actually look at the research, then it's. Uh, it's more that when you're in this flow state, mm-hmm. then those aspects of your personality that may be holding you back, let's say, mm-hmm. get get muted. 
Like the the brain actually, uh, let's say for lack of a better term, shuts off certain sections. And as a byproduct, uh, we enter the flow and what you described as like expressing a higher consciousness. It's when you're in it fully, then you are putting all of your attention and focus into it. And in that moment, uh, it feels like there's no resistance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like I liked how you said that, no resistance, because it, it, it does really feel that. And something I thought of there as well, it, it seems to be that, like that no resistance, that could be one of the reasons why like um, people in the past have actually like always found it like so much to actually go out, to go out there, go out the way and actually seek adventure. And I think if you look all out throughout history, like all these like great philosophers who actually like sort of like try and seek, uh, went out there to seek adventure in the human experience is actually because it's sort of like they're actually trying to seek that because they're trying to like step away from their own mind. That's what I was thinking. That's why that actually could be the real catalyst why people do seek adventure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very interesting. So uh, if I may ask you guys a question, what has been the adventures that you've had that have really, you felt, redefined yourselves or have given you the most growth? Yeah, for well, I mentioned when I mentioned earlier on the podcast, the biggest adventure for me is the adventure of like sort of the unknown, of like asking bigger questions and then it sort of like leads, sparks another new question in your mind and then it sparks another new question, another new question and that's obviously the journey that I'm on in my part of my life. Obviously, yes, it is amazing like sort of in terms of like quote-unquote adventures where you travel travel around the world and things like that but the biggest adventures mm. for me is sort of like seeking that the bigger questions of the unknown of like the universe and life and everything in the human experience that that's what it's been for me I, it's incredible to see how much you light up and how enthusiastic you are yeah. because it's very very clear that it provides you with an immense amount of service uh or an immense amount of satisfaction uh, being in the service of the question that was really good. That by the way, Dan, really good answer. I, th- I was just trying to think there, John. Like, and my my um, deepest, like, really profound adventure that I went on was be- was when I I dived into meditation, and mm. I became. I just I didn't even set out for it to become an adventure in my mind, but it did, and I ended up doing like um, two hundred days worth of meditation straight. And they, Holy from, cow! Yeah, and I, I had them all recorded and everything, and I became fascinated by it. And the more I meditated, the more I kept looking in, and and suddenly my mind started. It was speaking back to us at first with so much like thoughts and worry and stresses, unknown stresses from like areas of my mind where I wasn't even sure existed. And all of a sudden, mm. I became like a lot more calmer in a sense of everything. I seen everything clearly and. The day just like, in a sense, like lit up, and and that was my greatest adventure. And like looking back, um, I, I don't know if I can ever recreate that from a physical standpoint, where I'm actually looking at um, an object or going to a, a place where I'm experiencing a new culture. But I might do. Hmm. What and can I ask what kind of uh, uh, meditation you practiced? That you gave you that? Uh, it started off just um, just with um, meditate. Just um, it just started off with me just in my living room with closing my eyes, mm-hmm. and basically, and I just thought I need to find something a lot more calmer. And all of a sudden, I I, I um, downloaded Headspace, 
So I start mm, and I yeah. start and I started Super right, popular. Yeah, I really got into it and and that's when I started like looking deeper and I got and I did over two hundred like logs on there and I was like, Geez, I'm absolutely fascinated. Holy cow. And, uh, yeah, it just everything just everything just came towards and it started out with just um Andy talking to it talking to us throughout the meditation and then all of a sudden um the further you go into the meditations um the less he speaks so you start to like just construct your own thoughts and but your thoughts are always with the breath and i always found like a sense of calm with the breath even after the meditation and long long after the meditation like a few hours maybe even a day after the meditation i just felt a whole sense of calm just by a simple focus on the breath. That's wonderful. So I I just started uh, Transcendental Meditation, TM, uh, because my new kick on adventure is to look at where I want to go in the world to learn what skill. So I'm thinking I might spend a couple of months this year in Spain to learn Spanish. I'm want to go learn Wim Hof. Have you ever heard of this? Yeah, we had a, we had Wim Hof on the podcast, yeah. Did you? Yeah, yeah. He seems like a wild, mad Dutchman. Yeah, he is, yeah. I, that's what I like about him. <laughs> Fascinating. Um, and so I want to learn all these skills and be fully engrossed in the culture as I do it, which I think will be my next adventure. Whoa. Um, and so I'm, I'm very curious uh, to hear your about your meditation practice because I've been very much enjoying learning uh, TM and developing kind of that aspect of my muscle because I'm so used to the physical stuff, right? Like the amount of physical strain that my body goes through on these experiences is pretty astounding. And I don't just mean like getting on flights and all that kind of stuff. I mean, I'm literally, um, I was crushed by a bull in Pamplona and almost died during running of the bulls. That'll give you a whole different perspective on life, really, that whole seeing that. And then, like, you sort of wonder, like, I could have died in that very moment. And I think I think you touched on something interesting there, John, like when you talked about, like, um, the danger of death and the actual thoughts of death. And it becomes, like, a realisation, like, maybe I do need to start, like, like adventure in them. And maybe I need, sorry, maybe I do need to look beyond what I'm actually doing and this is like the true wake up call is actually for a lot of people is the beginning of like when they see death for the first time. Mm. You know, it's uh, both from a flow perspective, right? When you're near death, you enter flow and, um, and from the perspective of, of finding purpose or meaning, uh, when you have to come face to face with your own mortality, you'll often hear people um, coming to certain realizations or perspectives. That's fascinating. It's almost a shame that it doesn't happen earlier in life, right? <laughs> uh, but it's not like we wish a near-death experience on people. Yeah, definitely. John, just to go back as well, because something I wanted to bring up as well, because I wrote a little note down there I wanted to touch on. But before as well, when I was there, actually, when I mentioned about um, like sort of like when I said, when I raised the question of why is sort of like why is it seems that all throughout history like these great philosophers and all these adventurers have sort of like seeked the the art to like try and adventure and push the limits in the human experience, 
and I was actually thinking in my mind, like obviously we talked about a lot of stuff before, how it said could be, to obviously just, to, there's loads of different reasons why it could be, and I was saying obviously one of them could be stepping away from the mind, but something more crazier than I thought of in my head was actually, I was actually thinking it could even go deeper than just sort of like these neural like connections in the mind or whatever you want to call it. And I was actually thinking these like the seeking of these new adventures and like seek and wanting to sort of travel to new places. Out this this is crazy idea, mind you. This could just this could be it could it could be the craziest idea, but it also could be the best. <laughs> but I was actually thinking it could be like a genetic like um, force, like a pull that helps like the human gene pull pull. So that's mm. why that's why people that's why there's something deep within our DNA that's actually wanting us to sort of like seek adventure because it wants. Um, it's sort of like a like an evolutionary mechanism that's sort of like built within our hardware to spread the human like gene, and that's really mm-hmm. deep. But uh, who knows? I just want to throw it out there. <laughs> so here's what's interesting: a few years ago, an article came out about nomads, and he it said uh, that it's it's possible that we found a gene that is associated with becoming a traveler. Like, what is it that had, when we were evolving as a species, some of us just move on and start going far away. And we've, we're, I I think, one of the only species that's in every part of the world, right? Mm -hmm. Like, it's not like animals are like, wow, we should go to the top of Everest. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They're like, no, no, we're very happy down here where the food is and there's air. So what would have us actually spread out? And... The claim, according to this article, was that uh, that a certain percentage of us just have a gene that encourages us to explore, to actually uh, get out there, and it because it increases our risk of death. Right when you're in a new environment that's unfamiliar, you're more likely to die. It's not necessarily a good idea, but what has us do it anyway? Yeah, and that. Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, it's fine. Yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say something, but go ahead, just finish your point. Yeah, it's absolutely fine. Um, so I think that there's something to what you're saying, that there is a genetic element for adventure. Uh, I think that it's um, it, it's driving a certain percentage of us to kind of push the boundaries. And I think also part of it is that uh, when you enter, uh, when you're, the feedback loop from constantly pushing your boundaries is incredible. Yeah, definitely. It is. Uh, yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry again. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> no, no, that's fine. I, I want to hear what you have to say. Yeah, no, it, it's really, it really is fascinating because when I raised that question to myself as well, and you were talking about like how animals and uh, you were talking about how um, animals sort of don't like sort of say, oh, I just want to go to um, like Everest and stuff like that. But an example I thought of is not necessarily wanting to go to specific places, but um, I thought about you. Have you, seen, you know, like ayahuasca. Have you heard of ayahuasca before? Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's interesting <coughs> because sort of plants are also doing the same thing because um, plants have like engineered like um, like birds and like bees to sort of like spread their seeds like all over the world, sort of say. And ayahuasca is also doing the same thing as well. And it seems to be just to make a correlation with human beings as well. We in a way we've um, increased our intelligence to build like. Um, like planes and things like that and we've invented obviously like flying machines to help us like travel and experience more adventure but mm-hmm. i was actually thinking that also could tie into the like the human gene pool how obviously humans are doing it and also in a way like plants are doing it as well it's really fascinating that correlation i just thought i'd bring that up it's really interesting mm. yeah 
No, that's, that's great. So I, I'm curious on what is uh, what you see as as uh, as a possibility for me, actually. So I've I've traveled around, and you guys are obviously exploring all these ideas mm-hmm. and getting to talk to some of the most brilliant minds out there on them. Uh, do you have any fun challenges for me to take on? Wow. Um, because I'm always open to to trying new things and growing in new ways, and I would very much love to get your thoughts on on how to do that. What challenges like altered your mind then? Oh wow, that's a really hard one, though, isn't it? Yeah, it is. isn't it? Yeah, it is. I figured since you guys have been throwing some hard questions at me, yeah, yeah, they I'll, uh, I'll I'll take an opportunity to while speaking to two smart guys. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow, I'm trying to think about that. It really, I can't really, I kind of think on the spot. I'm trying, to, I really can't. Um, I might. Have, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, but uh, for for like skimming away from it, but I just re- I think I might have to come back and <laughs> come back to that one because I, I just kind of think. Can you think anything? I'm I'm still trying, but um, like. A lot of mine go into like the basic forms of just like I want to find something like so profound that it might um, change your existence. Yeah, that's why. That's that's, uh, that's what why. I, I really want to to do for you, John. But um, but like most of mine keep coming up in my head. I don't know why it just keeps coming up in my head. <laughs> um, um, go vegan. Like experience life without um any meat or any or completely change your whole taste buds. That's what I've always like. I found that very difficult for me, like when I was, like, um, when I was going through my transition process of trying to like begin to like live a healthier life, like mm-hmm. completely just change my whole like dietary process because I wanted to to just live a life where I was just completely healthy and to really understand that. And to be honest, I could never change my like taste buds and stuff like that. I always had like a sweet tooth, so and I always had like a craving for like steaks and stuff like that, but. Yeah, I'd probably say try and go vegan, John. I don't know if you are uh, vegan or not. So I've uh, I've done ten days on vegan. I was a vegetarian for a few years, um, and I was uh, I've tried about every diet out there from uh, paleo to what's the other like um, to raw food vegan. Like I've I've tested out a lot of them. Mm. I I love the idea of veganism. I just love cheese. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> like meat, I could kind of get used to without it. That's fine. Um, but cheese, man, oh man. <laughs> so I, I was here, here's one for you. I was just thinking there. I was, I was sitting in the background there. I was trying to think. I was really trying to think of something there, but I, I still can't really think of anything. But something I was just thinking. What I was just thinking in my head there. What's what's one big thing that's really, really changed my life? And one big thing for me is is um, like the breath. Like the breath of the body, like always focusing on the breath because I think so many times, and this was the same for me like a few years ago, I just never like breathed properly from deep within. And it was always like, I was, so, I was always like breathing from the neck up and I was never really getting that that real like deep breath in my body. And every single day I always make it now and especially it's always in the morning. I mean, I try and I sort of incorporate it all throughout the day now, but even just in the morning, just make like I was thinking in my head there just to tell you something, just to make it a routine in your mind to sort of 
have like five minutes of just like sitting and breathing and not I'm not talking about meditating and nothing like that I'm just saying just focus on the breath and just take some like deep deep breaths and deep breaths from like deep within your body and that's that's one big thing for me that's really sort of like helped me on my journey and it sounds so it sounds so simple but it's just sometimes it's the simple things are the best yeah it's it's uh I guess it always comes down to basics right it's what you what you uh inhale what you eat and what you uh think that really make the big difference in your life yeah, uh, yeah, I suppose you're right, really, John. And that's a very interesting way of putting it because um, we always come back to this foundation, foundation of beliefs, and the foundation's mm-hmm. always made up of our thoughts, our food, and our environment. And and if they're all, and if they're structured correctly, then nothing else really matters in life because we're going to have this perfect foundation where we can build so much of a greatness upon it. Mm-hmm. I love it. That's. It's really amusing that when you get down to brass tacks, how simple it is, right? Like, mm-hmm. if you have a foundation of integrity, you're going to be able to build something. If you don't, it's going to fall apart. Uh, gentlemen, this has been an absolute pleasure. Yeah, and definitely. thank you so much for having me. I hope uh, your listeners enjoyed a few uh, stories and yeah, a little bit of science. But... Uh, yeah, I was going to thank say. You. Yeah, I was going to say, John. Thank you so much for giving us your time. And there was there's so many other points I want to touch on. I think we're definitely gonna we're definitely gonna have to get you back on as well to cover some more stuff because um, we'll probably end up making this into a two parter. I think we're gonna have to do that. We'll have to get you back on another time in the future. Definitely. Oh, it'd be my pleasure. Cheers, John. Have All a great right. day, brother. Have a great day. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Take care. Bye. Thanks for listening to the podcast, guys. And a big thank you to John for being on the podcast. Please check out his book, The 2EM Principle, Discover the Signs of Adventure, which which is available on Amazon and other usual places. And also, don't forget to check out and support the podcast via our Patreon page. And if you don't know what Patreon is, Patreon supports the podcast directly. And you also get to receive some really cool rewards in the process. Currently, we have five tiers of rewards set up for you guys. We have reward tiers called Hidden Citizens, Pursuit of Knowledge, Seeker, Awakened Mind, Enlightened ones and the paradigm shift. And each tier has lots of fun different rewards. You might get a cool binaural beat or a guided meditation every month. And why not be a part of our brand new Ascend Conscious Hub where you get access to other awakened minds, including me and Chris, and guests from the podcast. And we also be doing live videos, group discussions, bonus content, and every Thursday after each episode, we'll be having a group discussion about that week's podcast. And why not be a part of something epic? The Ascend Community Podcast, where you get to come onto the podcast and have your say and be heard by millions. And all this is extremely simple. All you need to do is go to the Ascend Podcast website and click on the Patreon page and click on the Patreon link and check out the cool rewards. Patreon gives you, the people, the power to come together and decide, is this a conscious idea? So anyway, we will catch you next week in the next episode. Peace.